for joining us on this week's Comics Pals Reviews. Today we're going to be talking about five Count major, major releases this week. If you can believe that, we've got five books on deck. We are talking Planet-Sized X-Men number one, Static number one, Venom 200, Jupiter's Requiem number one, and Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number one. So huge slate of books. We're not going to waste any time getting into them except the time to tell you where you can find us all over the internet and who we are. We are the Comics Pals. You can find our weekly show, which drops every single Monday on all podcast hosting platforms and, of course, YouTube. If you are listening to this on a podcast hosting platform, please make sure to hit that follow button, leave us a like, a rating, and or a review. Those things help us out a ton. And if this happens to be YouTube you're listening to us on, then make sure you're hitting that subscribe button for free, liking the video, share, sharing it with your friends, and dropping us a comment. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. If you want to write to us, you can do so at thecomicspals at gmail.com, or you can join our Discord server, a link to which is in the description. Now... Let's jump right into Planet Size X-Men. This is by Jerry Duggan, Pepe Larraz, and Marta Gracia. So uh, a pretty, obviously a pretty tremendous creative team. Clayton Cowles did the letters, of course, and Tom Muller, the designer of the X-Men books. Now, this book centers primarily around... Sean winning Popeye's chicken. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The fireworks, as it were. (laughs) To well, I, guess, I mean, I guess we should just address the elephant in the room then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the chicken in the room. <laughs> There's no chicken left in the room now. <laughs> Last week on our review of X Men 21, I predicted that the X Men were going to be terraforming Mars, and Marco found that hard to believe to the point that he bet me that I was wrong, uh, and said that if I were to be correct, he would get me Popeyes tenders and fries. Yep. Uh, well, during the main show that we recorded earlier today, which you can hear, uh, he had Popeyes delivered to my home because I was right. Hashtag Sean was right. The mutants terraformed Mars all across this expanded uh, issue, and it was awesome. It was really cool to watch. This was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a comic book, I think. Yeah, I I mean, obviously the the concept itself is very cool, but oh my god, what a gorgeous issue this is! Mm-hmm. There yeah. are so many incredible pages. That one, it's like the third or fourth one in of like Magneto just flying that giant deposit of iron through space. It's like, yeah. give me that, give me that yesterday. <laughs> yep. It, not only does it like. It was really cool seeing all these characters like Magneto, Iceman, Elixir, Hope Summers, um, uh, Storm, of course, Jean Grey. All these uh, all these characters coming together to terraform the planet. The way they like did that was peak sci-fi. And of course, Pepe Larraz and Marta Gracia, they killed it. But like, it also had a really good narrative impact because like it reinforces this kind of godlike complex the mutants of Krakoa and I guess Arako to a lesser extent have because they were able to terraform an entire planet in hours which is you know a point that Magneto makes humans probably wouldn't be able to touch the surface with their own two feet for decades or so generations yeah so phenomenal yeah it's just so cool um they're really exploring and taking the X-Men as far as they can. Uh, 
You know, the X-Men in space is obviously not a foreign concept by any means. <clears throat> the X-Men terraforming a planet, that's, that's out there. Yeah. That, I mean, like, we joked about that in the beginning. There's even a joke about it in this episode, uh, this issue, rather, um, about how, like, mutants on an island is not a unique concept. Um, but the idea of them just being like, yeah, no, we're going to sidestep this whole thing and just go claim our own planet is that is some next level nonsense. And I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the reason that they do it, which is explained here as well, is primarily to provide a home for the Iraqi mutants. Um, how did you guys feel about that? I thought it was interesting. Um I think I have some kind of mixed feelings on it, but I don't think it's anything that doesn't make sense, right? Like, the um, Magneto makes the point that, like, Earth is their home, but it's also their past, right? And, like, I understand why the mutants would want to not um, just give up on Earth and, like, seed that ground. They put a lot of work into establishing their space, and I think they see themselves as the inheritors of the Earth, and that they don't want to give that up. Um, but obviously, you know, the Iraqi, um, mutants just have such a different culture than them. They've never lived on earth. They've never had a society that wasn't based on, um, like a warrior, you know, caste type system. Uh, and you know, we see that this is already immediately presenting problems, right? They've been on earth for like two weeks or something like that. They say it's been like a couple weeks and they are already attacking, places in japan they're trying to take over like a a brewery or a a whiskey distillery or some shit like that and you know like they're they're just they're warriors like that's what they are that's what they do and they want to go and conquer things and fuck things up and leave their you know um leave their mark on this world or whatever and like that was never gonna work right like that was either going to lead to the annihilation of the iraqi people or a a a dis- um what's what I'm looking for like a a dissolving of of Krakoa and the entire you know precarious situation that the council has has established for Krakoa um so I really feel like as much as it does kind of make all the oh the two islands need to be reunited they need to talk and then they're like oh they don't speak the same language anymore so I guess it's fine whatever shoot them into space it feels a little convenient in that way, but it also feels like a natural choice that the council would make because how else does this play out? Well, because Charles Xavier helped send the shoot the Hulk off into space. He learned it's a great way to solve your problems, at least for a little while. Yeah. It it makes sense for um I think for the dy- the dynamic um if if their concern has been with I, I think there's mentioned like the next concern is peacetime and i think that's something that we had brought up at the very beginning of um uh, of this yeah, new cool. era of x-men like oh. the house of x stuff um powers of x like all that it was what happens like for example um uh, apocalypse right like his whole thing was that warrior mentality and how does he adjust to this new life? And for them to be able to adjust to life, it makes sense for them to start sort of consolidated and figure out their own concepts of what this means and what they could be doing instead of that warring and 
fighting and anger, et cetera, uh, and have an open dialogue with other societies via the, via the mutants on Krakoa, which then expand out into the world. They become that buffer piece for both the Earth as well as the uh, Iraqi two opposite cultures with um, the X-Men sort of being in, in the middle or the, the, the mutants on Krakoa being in the middle and being that bridge between both and literally bridging two worlds at this point. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Iraqis at this point were kind of displaced and became rather nomadic, you know, uh, at the climax of Ten of Swords. So, I mean, this is an attempt to give them a permanent location. And unlike real world or like earthly con- consequences, they didn't have to dislocate any other people to give them like a permanent residence. So. And like you give them the ability to work their shit out because exactly. <laughs> like, right. Like the whole thing is that now they need to, uh, they need to figure out who they are as a people now that the war is over. Right. In this, you brought up the apocalypse thing. It's totally the same problem. Um, but you don't have to let that be at the expense of humanity or the mutants of Krakoa who already, you know, they're figuring their shit out, but in a different way. Right, like they're having they're having the Met Gala, and the Iraqis are probably just gonna kill the shit out of each other until they they cool down, you know. So it's like it's very very different vibes. <laughs> I think it's good for storytelling, because um, I feel like, oh, we're a different culture, and therefore we're gonna butt heads. Is like cool. It's a trope. Like we 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 get it. We've seen that in the past, but this is a little more nuanced than that. Well, what happens when that society has to figure it out? Yeah, and it allowed for the X Men to put on a major flex mm-hmm. uh, to showcase, you know, their true strength. I think this is probably going to embolden the enemies of theirs to really start to figure out, like, okay, what are we prepared to do to stop them? Because mm-hmm. they can do whatever they want. They just terraform the planet. Like the Avengers are Earth's mightiest heroes, right? And they've never come close to a feat like that. They they don't they can't. They don't have the power that the mutants have um so that uh, you know we've we've gone back and forth about you know the mutants as villains the mutants as a threat i think that from a human perspective that's got to be a threat you know even the most you know good person who, who wants the best for everyone has to think about like man what if they turn this power on us? Mm-hmm. You mean um, like Captain America, Sean? Yes. <laughs> yep, exactly like Captain America. Who has exactly that thought. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like that he chose, since we're talking about Cap now, I love that he chose to meet Scott Summers at the Xavier Institute. I loved that scene. Yeah. And I love that Scott's like, oh boy. <laughs> you could have met anywhere. Yeah, we, we're meeting here, Scott. Mm-hmm. He's like, I wanted to take the drive. I was like, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I saw a lot was people being a little bit disappointed by Jerry Duggan's uh, scripting here. He, Why? Well, uh, I had one one issue with it, which is that typically we see his work in Marauders, and I think he does a great job in Marauders. Um, the script is always strong. And I enjoy it quite a bit. Here, I felt like he was trying to do his best rendition of Jonathan Hickman. Uh, and I thought same. that in spaces, he failed. Some of the time, his dialogue, he would try to do the more heady dialogue. And I, I don't think that that's really his style. And I hope that he doesn't do that in X-Men because it doesn't. I don't think it works for him. 
Um, but by and large, I think this was a well-crafted book, well-scripted that did have some pretty strong moments overall. Do you, do you yeah, have I an totally example of, of, of one of those? Because I, I think I felt something similar in that he he was sort of aping, not aping, but he was very trying trying to get close to that sort of cadence and, and get close to like the beats that Hickman would probably write about. Um, yeah. But I thought he did it pretty effectively. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll certainly try to find one for you um, because there were some that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But while I do that, uh, why don't you guys rap a little bit about the art? Yep. Thank hey, you. Can, I was uh, just we, about ready to do that. Can we talk about that birthing scene for a minute? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we absolutely can. Um, I like I'm how never, that's where you wanted to start. I'm not going to forget that ever. <laughs> no. I mean, um, what's the point of comics if you're not going to create memorable moments that last a lifetime? Well, where I wanted to start. <laughs> Please. Uh, was Zylo, this giant caterpillar looking guy, kind of like reducing to like uh, anatomical cellular level. Yeah. Tears into like the Martian surface. And you see like these circle, these colorful circles. And like one has like kind of a germ looking uh, uh, thing in it. One's like a plant. One's like a mushroom. One's oxygen. You see uh, calcium like elements on the periodic table as they basically try to transform the surface of this planet. And as Magneto leaves, you see one of the Krakoan flowers there, just incredible pieces of like uh, trying to express how you've transformed the agriculture of this planet. Then the next page, totally reality warping as they transport all the Iraq and uh, Iraqi mutants to the surface oh, of this planet. Like love that this incredible sinkhole. Oh, and like I, I love uh, like Jean is the last one talking, and the last thing she says, she's like, "See you on Mars," and like that's starting to get sucked into the hole yeah, on yeah. the page and everything. Such a cool device. Or, or just like when Jean and Quentin uh, get inside the mind of uh, the King guy. What's his name? Um, Monarch. Yeah, it's Jamie's brother. Yeah, he's, he's just before the preg- the impregnation scene, like this is them impreg- uh, you know, putting the idea in his brain so that he can. This is Gene impregnating it. the monarch. That's right. <laughs> that scene is also really beautiful. Like you see his face at the bottom of it. He's like, oh yeah. Like there's like she like basically drops a sp- a sperm into his brain, and then like his face is on the other side, and it's insane. It's really really cool. Like, All the criticism of Jerry Duggan's scripting, whether or not it's just fire or not, the, the art does so much heavy lifting here that it makes it almost inconsequential because this book is just beautiful. Another one of my favorite moments, it's the uh, it's a little bit um, before the, the birthing scene where like um, there's like the, the first like big explosion of like it's I think it's like right after the ocean opens up yeah it's right after that and there's this shot of uh of quentin and um and hope and they're both just like whoa and it's just like quentin's just like it's it's, it's so fucking funny to me like his glasses are all fucked up yeah yeah like he just like looks truly like awestruck you know (laughs) so i found i found an example at least one that stuck out to me marco okay um Thousands of years have fallen away since the two lands were one. In that time, millions of mutants lived, loved, fought, and died in lands near and far. The only question uttered when the dead piled high was why. Perhaps it was so this dawn would come. 
Oracle defeated its enemies, and now it faces its greatest threat, peacetime. They will not face their struggle alone as the two islands become a single archipelago in a sea of stars. That just didn't really work for me. Um, the, the line about the only question uttered when the dead piled high was why just feels a little bit too... It's heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah, especially because who was asking that? No one was asking that. I, I did like the uh, the archipelago across the stars line. I was like, that's pretty cool. I, I like that imagery, but otherwise I did agree with you that that passage felt a little bit like it's very dramatic, you know? Yeah, it was a little extra. And Jonathan Hickman is certainly dramatic, like you said, but I think he has a way of writing those lines where you're so in it that you don't even really like feel it. You just you're yeah. just you're just with it, you know. I, I think um, it's it's very similar to the conversation we had about Grant when we were talking about multiversity, where it's just like Grant has a style, and when you try to imitate it, it just doesn't work. And I feel like it's the same thing here. We're like, yeah, Hickman gets away with that because that's his bag. He's really good at it. It's what he does. That's his whole flavor, you know. Like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there really isn't much other than this that happens in the issue. Um, it's a really cool book. Uh, if you if you're listening to this and haven't read it, you really ought to. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Splendor. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is all visuals, and again, the, the 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 whole visual creative team did such an amazing job. It, we are so lucky to have Pepe Larraz and Marta Gracia. Marta Gracia, by the way. Um, probably my favorite uh, colorist of all time. Yeah. I mean, top three, if not. You know, like, right, right fucking up there is one of the greatest to ever fucking play the game. Like, oh my God. <laughs> he did um, uh, the amazing Spider Man relaunch with Dan Slott and Giuseppe Comancoli after secret wars and i saw that book and i was like this is the best looking book i've ever seen in my life and marta gracia has continued to impress me ever since then just a wonderful creator hopefully one day we get to meet him and 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 sing his praise i know flowers because this is like this is this is the best some of the best work ever if we ever do get to go to a con where we know that they're going to be there i'm just going to bring up just a, a dozen roses just throw them. Just start throwing them at his feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like Pepe Larraz and, and Marta Gracia together are just like, what a fucking dynamic duo. Put them on anything. I'll check it's it out. Wild. Great issue. Um, Great fucking ab- issue. Absolutely. Uh, makes me really excited to see what, you know, I think like a lot of storytelling is push and pull. And I think the X-Men specifically through House and Powers has been them pushing and then humanity pushing back. What kind of pushback will this cause? Like, this is nuts, right? Yeah. Can't wait. Pretty serious. Yo, oh, okay. my God. Wait a minute. What the fuck is Namor going to say about this? I was just, oh, my God. My dude. You're yeah. right. Oh, That's yep. so funny. Oh. And Magneto and Xavier were so cocky. Yeah. They knew what they were going to do. This is why. This is the, That's the, a great point. This is the greatest flex in Marvel history. And also, if you're a Magneto fan, what a fucking issue for Magneto. Just him looking like an yeah. incredible badass for like 80 pages. So great. What uh, What's the status of Atlantis right now? Is it still gone? Yeah, underwater. 
have a genuine answer for you kill i'm sorry I don't, um I don't know. some of these iraqi mutants they showed off in this issue like laktuka the knower so oh, cool. sobanar of the depths and xylo first defender i talked about xylo already but sobanar of the depths especially that was the ocean guy right yeah he just like gave the planet water his blood yeah that's very... my favorite mutant though very very sick <laughs> that's such and a ridiculous power he has an ocean inside him it's like, if what? i'm not mistaken we don't see what Le- Le- lactuka the knower does so that might be foreshadowing well they explained that her thing was that she she's basically like all seeing yeah because she knew where they needed to land everything and when Jean read her mind she was like the amount of information she right. knows is fucking overwhelming that's right yeah, yeah you're right so i think she's also a telepath on some level but Great trio. Great, great trio. Her, they, I, they all look so fucking cool. Great, great design work. Great designs for these characters. I, I forgot if we we know what the next um, Hickman book is, but I wonder if it's not something along like this where... Um, it's just about Mars? Maybe. I hope so. His next book is Inferno. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, even if it's not Hickman, I hope we get a book that's about Araco. We've said that since Ten of Swords. I think now it's kind of like, yeah, like, please. Like, can I get a a book that's just about what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. Also, real quick, the implication was that Apocalypse and uh, what's this one? Genesis. They didn't go, right? They didn't make Same it, no. Like, yeah, yeah, they didn't make there. it because they're lost in the ether or whatever. Which leads back to the sinister um, secret question. Or, or tease or whatever about where are they? We'll have to wait longer to find out their yeah. story. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, great issue. Loved and it. Let's... Uh, sorry, just quick shout out to the design stuff for the map and all that. Um, that was cool shit. It's, it's actually based off of, I just linked it to you guys. It's actually based off of a topographical map of Mars. What? Um, yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Shout out. Let's talk about Static, season one, number one. Hell yes. The book that was sold out at Midtown Comics this week, and I was not able to get a copy on my birthday. Very much a bummer. But what was not a bummer was this issue. It's real, real good, at least in my opinion. This is Vita Ayala uh, writing it. Crisscross. From, so from my understanding, because the book does not uh, give specific credits, my understanding, and I'm open to being wrong about this, but I believe how they did it was crisscross did the layouts and Nicholas Draper Ivy did the actual art in the book. Okay. Um, that's what I believe I, I had read a while back, um, which makes sense because this is very much what I know uh, Draper Ivy's art style to look like. Uh, so I, I, when I, when I opened it, I was like, okay, well, this looks like them. So, it's got to be that. Interesting. It's got a heavy uh, anime yes. influence. And I, I said that this is how the, the book would be very anime. Yeah. Um, I remember then, you pointing that's, that out. Yeah, that's, that's what they do. Um, um, that, go ahead. I, I mean, yeah, this is fucking – I love this issue. I thought this was a fantastic first issue. I thought the script was really good. I think the art is phenomenal. And I remember when I got into it um, – 
and I got a couple pages in and like was getting, you know, accustomed to the the vibe of it. <clears throat> I was like I was remembering back on you telling the story about how like you had known this artist and they've been like, you know, grinding for years and years and years and like this is their real big like first at bat. And I was like, how did it take this long? Cuz it's fucking really good. Comics, yeah. baby. Yeah, I mean, the, right, we talked about it last week. It's the overnight success that takes 10 years or whatever, right? But, like, I hope they get the attention they deserve uh, for this book because I think it it's really fucking unique looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would go out on a limb and say – I don't even think I'm going out on a limb. This is the best Vita Ayala book I've read so far. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't necessarily know what else they've done. They but... did. Um, was it Children of the Atom? Oh, Children of the Atom. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's that well, I didn't like. Obviously. I can't think of anything else that I've read, but I'm sure I have. Yeah. But yeah. Well, either way, that's cool. And even like when you can, com- like you can compare those too easy. Like the the. Uh, subject matter is fairly the same high school students you know get superpowers and they have to go live their superpowered lives this frankly is way better than children of the atom is and i forgot about that book with children of the atom like i really wanted to like that book like i liked the premise i liked teenage superhero stories i i thought i thought there was a lot of promise there but the script just did not work for me like i remember the the character's dialogue it felt like very inauthentic. It just didn't – it wasn't landing for me, and it felt kind of stiff. Whereas this, it was like – I feel like from the word go, I was in on it. You know, and granted, I like Static. Like, I, I wanted to like this, but I wanted to like that book too, and it just didn't connect with me. Whereas yeah. this, I think between, you know, it, it's a very like – you know, until the end, which is pretty fucking crazy. It's a pretty basic like, you know, issue number one of a teen superhero. We're laying threads, we're establishing status quo, we're letting getting to know his friends and what happened and everything. But like it's so well executed and it's brisk and it it makes really good use of its page count that like it never feels basic. It never feels like you're just hitting those beats. I don't know. I don't know if I would say this is a basic number one. Uh, because when we meet him, he's already got his powers. He's already struggling with it. We don't see an origin. We see him suffering. And that, I believe, actually takes place in the... Uh, the zero the, issue. The zero, the milestone returns zero issue, I think. Sure. When yeah. they show that stuff. But yeah, no, that, that speaks to your point, Kale. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Well, it, was... raises, it raises that question that we've talked about in the main show a few times, which is, you know... Do we even need to do origin stories anymore for superhero comics or like movies or whatever? Depends on the character, but but even in this, like they talk about what happened and they make it very clear, you know, Virgil's connection to what happened and you know everything. So I mean, like yes, to answer your question, Phil, but I think we we're at a point where we have to do it better. Well, and it's funny because I think like many art forms, um, you can learn a lot by going backward and like they get through all that stuff in two pages. And like that's how we used to do origin stories, right? Like (laughs) Superman's origin story is one one page. And so much of his origin is in the mood and in the feelings that he's dealing with, these new powers, these new experiences, 
Um, and I think it's a really effectively done by Vita to focus less on what happened and more on how he feels about it, more mm-hmm. on how it's affecting him because it roots us in the character. And clearly she, or I'm sorry, Vita is, is it they? I'm sorry. They, I genuinely yeah, don't know. I believe, I believe they're not a binary. We'll just say they to be safe. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so uh, they clearly were inspired by, you know, some of the stuff that happened last year with, you know, George Floyd and the conversations that we've been having about race and these riots and protests to root that in this big bang. And I thought that was so smart on their part Yeah, and it works so well. And, and also on top of that, when, um, when Virgil goes to school and his friends are, they're white, right? His, the two primary friends, they're white and they don't understand what he's dealing with. And that's a multi-layered issue because they don't understand his powers. They also don't understand his pain. And the pain that he's in over what he just w- went through and witnessed him and and people like him specifically what they went through that the bang babies appear to be um, a lot of them anyways people of color minorities who were impacted by this getting gassed at least predominantly right because obviously fucking what's his name hot yeah. chick is a white dude um, yeah he's just that was the implication that I got out of. Yeah, I think that's also historically true. Like, if you think back to Static Shock, like, most of the characters are people of color. Um, I mean, well, they, with the exception of his two white friends. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I that was something that, like, I really liked that decision. Like, I know um, uh, I, I started rewatching um, just some of the, like, season one episodes of Static Shock fairly recently oh, just, like, because I was kind of hyped for this. Does it hold up? It does hold up. Um, and you, if you recall, the first episode is that Virgil, there's an older dude at his high school who, like, is protecting him from the bully. And he pressures him to join his gang and come to, a, like, a, a brawl and, like, tries to put a gun in his hand and, like, get him to be involved in this gang violence. Um, and that's what happens in that first episode. And, like, they show it. It's not, like, implied. That's what fucking goes down. Wow. Um, and... I I really like the change here because to your point, Sean, I think it just makes it feel more modern. It makes it feel more rooted in what's happening today rather than when the book was was written originally, um, and what it, and what it was trying to portray at that point, you know. And like, I think that like there's a way that in 2021 that comes off like as dated, you know. Um, and I, I dig that, that pivot, I think that pivot is a good overall choice for the, the framing of the bang babies and everything. But I also think the way that it was then played, uh, to your point, Sean, for like that emotional, uh, personal moment, right. That like even his closest friends who know about his secret don't really understand what he's going through. Um, and that's like a unique situation or that's a a unique story beat to the situation that they've orchestrated for this version of Virgil um and I yeah I think that's just smart it's smart and it feels elegant and it doesn't feel like something that we I remember we talked about during the um children of the atom uh issue where there was like there there was an, an argument with like two kids in the gym about like mutant rights basically and it felt very like orchestrated it felt like you created a dramatic moment so that you could have our mutant characters say these things and uh, you know what i mean it felt like manufactured drama 
Um, whereas this feels like a very authentic uh, turn of events based on what he's gone through in the last, you know, two weeks or whatever at this point. Yeah. I also really wanted to point out something that hit me hard, uh, which is the, the, there's two pages that show the family at dinner. And the first one is before the big bang. And the second one is after, and you can clearly see the difference. The first one, it's bright, it's sunny, warm colors, uh, white and yellow. Uh, the characters are dressed warmly. They're happy. They're smiling. Um, they're having a great time. They're touching right? each other, right? They're hugging. They're, you know. Yeah. The next page, the 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 it's black. The panels are blackened. The gutters are black. They're wearing dark clothes primarily. It's not as bright. It's not bright out. Everything has changed. And that's what it's like. You know, they went through something traumatic. Something didn't specifically happen to them, right? Like, something happened to Virgil, but overall, like, everyone there wasn't uh, personally impacted or physically impacted. But when things like that happen, everyone is impacted, right? It changes you. It changes your families. All of a sudden, you're talking about things you never had to talk about before. And, again, Vita just really uh, honing in on what it's like uh, to grow up as a, a minority person and deal with these things um, secondhand, even in some cases, and how it can affect your family. So very excellent stuff. Just I, I can't sing the praises enough of this. Issue. I'm so glad it's this good because, like, we've been yeah. talking about this since they announced the Milestone relaunch. I've definitely been vocal about my excitement for it because of my connection to the the cartoon as a kid and everything. But, like, I, I don't know. I was expecting it to be good but i didn't know if it was gonna like hit right if it was gonna be like oh this is a really strong issue one this is promising this is a book that i'm like eager to jump in for number two not oh well i like the character let's see where it goes let's give it some time like it's like no like this is this is good this is straight up good uh one last point uh i wanted to comment on the ending of the issue so I thought that the villain was going to just, like, kill the sister or the mom And the mom's whoever. dead in the cartoon, so that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Right. Some, some typical thing. He burns the house down. And that is a very interesting problem to present this family with. Because even though, by all means, they appear to be, like, a, you know, a, a family that's doing well for themselves. Yeah. Um, when you burn their house down, they might not have the resources to just get a whole new house. They might not be rich. They might be all right. They might not have the ability to get a new house. So that creates problems for them that I'm very interested in seeing them deal with because we don't really see things like this. Um, what sacrifices might Virgil be willing to make to help the family? You know, this is. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, maybe he has to like drop out of school, get into illegal activities, blah, 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 blah. These are the kinds of things that sometimes our families do get confronted with. So I love rooting the problem in family and not removing family from the equation. And I, I it, it feels like a very like Spider-Man ass type problem, right? Of like, oh, like, uh, like this thing brought this strife to my family, right? Like I caused this because I got powers and now 
you know, my my family's on the street, right? And right. like probably not really, but um not and not only the fact that like he's a really like he's a kid at a vulnerable age. He's like sixteen, it seemingly just turned sixteen, and like you watched your childhood home burn down in front of you, like that's that comes with a whole other set of emotion and all this stuff that is like it's personal. It's not superhero stuff, right? Like it, it's that's a super um relatable issue people's homes burn down um even from a more superficial level i want like the fight between hot streak and static like the use of colors you know hot streak is like uh shown with a lot of yellows and reds and oranges static has got like the blues and the whites and stuff and we talk about the you know drawing from manga and stuff like this is a well choreographed fight. As big manga energy too. Mm-hmm. Like there's the um like when they first get in the fight, right? And like it's right after the one where Virgil he, like his eye lights up and he is actually starting the fight. It's like that first page where he like he goes for the punch and it's like a wide angle and you follow the lightning into the shot. Yeah. And then the next one is him ducking backwards like Matrix style to dodge a fire slash and everything like it has like the energy of like a fight from like my hero academia or something like that you know and, and the colors are great too when they're actually fighting like i talked about how they're portrayed but there's one panel where like there's one page where like you get a close-up on their faces and it's those blues it's those yellows as they're basically energy clashing and uh, that's great and for what it's worth from a design standpoint hostrick looks really like unsettling like great villain design yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, the artwork in this book is really phenomenal. I, when I finished this issue, my first thought was, I have several people in my life that I need to buy this for. Mm. Like once I have access to the book and it's it's available in print again, there are several people who need to read this because they love anime, they're black, and they will love this art style. They will love this story. This is exactly what the book needed to be. I hope this is a big hit and success for DC. I think everything so far has been really positive. And I could see this being a major, major character and story going forward. I absolutely believe that. Please, fucking please get my man Virgil off the bench. It is his time. Next step, join the league. That'd be cool. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, we're talking about another another uh, big book. We're going to talk about Venom two hundred, uh, which is is technically just Venom thirty five by yeah. Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, uh, J.P. Mayer, Frank Martin, uh, several other artists. I think. Um, uh, yeah, I want to credit everyone. Uh, Kev Walker. Um, Danilo S. Beirut, Ron Lim, uh, Guiu Villanova, Gerardo Sandoval, Mark Bagley, um, Philip Kennedy Johnson actually wrote a little bit of this too. Oh, um, we had uh, on inks, we had JP Mayer, Jay Leaston, uh, Kev Walker, Danilo Beirut, Scott Hanna, uh, Guiu Villanova, Gerardo Sandoval, Victor Nava, and John Dell. And on inks, we had Frank Martin. I'm sorry. Uh, that was inks. And on colors, we had Frank Martin, Chris O'Halloran, and Jim Campbell, Matt Miller, Alex Sinclair, Chris Sotomayor, and Richard uh, Isanov, Isanova. Um, with Clayton Cowles on letters, this guy does every single book that Marvel publishes. And that's our review. 
All right, well, take care, everyone. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, what'd you guys make of Venom 200? Uh, okay, so a couple of weeks ago on the main show, we kind of talked about Marvel not having heat or whatever, and we kind of said, like, yeah, the Symbiote books is doing some of that stuff, and certainly the X-Men books are. Uh, this single issue definitely set up some of what's going to go down going forward for Marvel. Yeah. And uh, I dug it because it's some stuff that's been dangling for like 10 years over in Marvel. So, and of course, I'm talking about the maker. Love the maker. That was probably my favorite part of the book. Um, there was, I, I actually enjoyed quite a bit of this. I, I didn't, it wasn't perfect. And I certainly had some issues, but uh, I really enjoyed the maker stuff because he's a character. When they first said that the maker and the maestro were going to be joining the core 616 Marvel post-Secret Wars, I thought, okay, wow, they have just found their next two major antagonists. Yeah, exactly. That is not what happened. Like, the Maker was instantly thrown away in uh, Al Ewing's New Avengers, um, and then the Maestro, like, I don't even know what they did with him. He fucked off. Yeah, but to set him up here as, like, the next character that the Avengers have to care about as a villain, that was really cool. Totally. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's 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 Reed Richards without any shred of caring about no anybody. That is that's yeah. that should be scary. It's terrifying. There shouldn't be much scarier than that. And the way the way they set it up too, like it, it was a good kind of uh, it was a good kind of lead in here. And I like that they brought up the Hickman stuff too. Like they're talking about the Council of Reeds is stuff that you saw in like the very beginning of Hickman's Fantastic Four run. Yeah. So. Good setup for all that. As for the actual uh, Eddie Brock stuff, um, it could be. It was quite clunky at points. Certainly, I've not been reading uh, Donnie Kate's Venom run, so like you know, I only knew so much about the null uh, aspect of what was happening with the symbiotes or whatever. Uh, I thought while reading this, there was a moment that would really appeal to Pete when the robber shows up while Eddie and Pete are eating are eating lunch, and then he just sees Spider Man there. He's like, "Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me!" I couldn't stop thinking about that after I read it. Like, damn, like, that's really bad luck. Like, screw that guy. Obviously, he's a thief. But, like, that's really neg. Like, you went there to rob, and it just so happens that that day, Spider-Man's there. In costume. You're, yeah. you're done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. It's like, like some really a- cool creative stuff. Like, the way they stop him. Like, Eddie, who's now, like, the lord of all symbiotes, his fucking cane is a symbiote. But go on, Pete. Sorry. No, no, no. You know, you're good. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's, that's always, like, a funny thing to me. Like, just what, it, like, whenever there's crooks, like, what are the odds that Superman's gonna show up? And then he shows up, and there's like, son of a bitch! Like, <laughs> it's a good comedy element. No way Superman's gonna be here for this! Yeah, right. Um, I think there were some other, like, pretty funny stuff like that. Like, I, I did think it was really funny that, like, they have kind of, uh, Eddie and, and the symbiote kind of, like, being like this odd couple you know where it's like you know he's like helping him raise his kid and he's like i'm gonna walk the kid to school i'll be back later like and he's a dog and he's like a dog the dog is walking the kid to school i love it it's so <laughs> funny uh yeah so like that th- stuff like that i i definitely found it to be like charming you know um i definitely think that i i agree with what you guys said about like there being some inelegant bits um but but generally like i found myself 
feeling more in on the bits than I thought I would be, you know, and, and feeling more like, like I could get behind it, you know, after we just had that talk about how it's just like, I don't, a symbiote book is not really something I need. Right. But I was like, you know what? I, I see the appeal of this. It has it, fun. It has character for sure. Yeah. I, I was Fun's surprised the right by to describe it. I was surprised by how much I liked it. Um, to the extent that I think I might pick it up after this. Like the wow. the whole run, all thirty five issues. No, not the whole run. Uh, just, uh, I'll start picking it up now, and and I think I remembered liking the first, like the first issue we reviewed and the second issue of the the null stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad that I still feel that way about the book after this is resolved. I, I think that's at least a testament to the to the writing, mm. um, and uh, this was just kind of like fun. Um, I I don't know how you guys felt about like all the the constant changing art. I thought mm. in instances it was okay. Others were kind of like shaky. But it bugs me because some of it's really good, and you just kind of yeah. want more of that, you know. But I get that it being a landmark issue. Like the whole the cover makes a point about how it's like a bunch of important artists from Venom's history. So like right. that's the kind of thing I can usually like forgive. You know, it's it's, it's a like- legacy thing. Yeah, it's like doing the, the Action Comics 1000, Detective Comics 1000 yeah. thing. Instead of being an anthology story, though, it's one story, you know? I think, I think yeah. Sorry, I, I think I would have appreciated had it been an anthology story in that, and they use those different art styles. I think because it's switching in between as the story is going on, it throws me off visually, um, but not enough, I think, to affect like the overall story, just a art preference. I felt lockstep the same way on that, Marco. Um, I really thought that the stuff with Venom, the symbiote, and Eddie and Eddie's kid was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Donny Cates nailed the dynamic between them, in my opinion, way better than the movies have. The movies feel so over the top, whereas Donny Cates is doing the same thing, but it's like funny and it doesn't feel like you're like, you need to laugh at this. Like, this is funny. It feels like this is funny, you know. This is this is just this is just funny. This is cute. This is humorous. Um, it moves on from it. Too, yeah, you know? ex- exactly. It doesn't it doesn't belabor it. Like in the in the trailer that we saw for Venom Two, where he's like making dinner and singing, it was just a lot. But this this felt scaled down from that, and I enjoyed it. Um, a lot to like, you know. Uh, I but I will say the the idea of Venom being like omniscient and being able to see everything and all that kind of stuff. That was a little much for me. I feel annoyed a lot of the time when characters get souped up like that, um, especially Eddie Brock. But sure, fine. Okay, I guess. Um, and <laughs> I like that it's being, taking... Yeah. Sorry, I like that it's taking a toll on him. Like, well, it's not... Exactly it's not... Um, it's not nothing. Right. Yeah. The fact that it's making him old... Or whatever that is, yeah. that is cool. There's a cost attached, so I agree with you yeah. on that one. Um, um, with that in mind, like him talking to like all these different heroes at the same time was really like a neat kind of um, narrative device. Uh, in a, since we're talking about how it paid a toll on him, and it even had a nice little comedy moment where it's like he's talking to like you know the Avengers and Stark Tower or whatever, and Tony's trying to talk to him. He's like, "Sorry, Spider Man tried to steal one of my French fries. What's up?" Yeah, they, they kind of went Dr. Manhattan with it, which... Yeah. Eh, yeah. Right, I, I didn't really love that myself, but... Um, 
yeah, this was fun. This was this was very long, um, and I probably could have done without a small amount of the pages. But overall, it's Donny Kate's swan song on a run that was very successful mm-hmm. for them between the core Venom title, Absolute Carnage, and then King in Black. Very, very successful. So this- he, he, Stegman, the whole creative team behind the Venom book, and then all the other creators who have celeb- who have worked on Venom throughout the years, they earned this. So hats off to everybody. Would, would you say this is like perhaps the most successful ongoing book of like marvel the last couple of years oh, that that's not like a team book maybe i don't know it's got to be up there i feel like this donny cates and like what's been going on with venom has had heat for a while okay certainly there's like immortal hulk there's like daredevil and stuff but i feel sure. like i don't this, have this is yeah. hot i don't have the numbers in front of me but i think just off like talk yeah anecdotally yeah. anyway it seems that way yeah i remember it was always like you know back in like what 2015 or whatever when it kicked off i remember it was like every fucking comic book store had that that number one of venom that had that poster on the wall you know yeah yeah i mean hey donny cates is the guy right now yeah and hopefully when he departs venom it'll be in good hands with al ewing um and it's al ewing and uh rom v yeah right which is pretty fucking sick that's pretty bomb um and donny cates will go on to the hulk so hopefully he can he can keep the the, the steam on that book going because that's been a hot book as well mm-hmm. let's talk about uh jupiter's legacy requiem number one by mark miller and tommy lee edwards uh john workman did the letters for this book um and then there was a the the memory sequence the sequence where they're looking in the past uh actually had John Paul Leon on it, and uh, he passed recently. We talked about that on the show, um, and this was his final. From what Mark Millar says, this was his final work. Wow. So, yeah, um, this picks up directly after uh, the events. Well, not I shouldn't say directly after. It's many years after, but it's the follow up to the direct follow up to uh, the Jupiter's Legacy stuff that we have seen so far. And it catches us up with everybody and characters that we don't know and siblings and cousins and nephews and the world and everything else. And boy, was there a lot in this issue. Yeah, it was. um, I think it was a little messy in the way that it presented everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was. Well, I thought it was good, but I think in the way that they tried to to just explain the relationships and dynamics didn't work all that well because uh, we haven't seen where they are individually. We're just sort of seeing them interact and based off of um, uh, the, the reading that we've done, we did uh, Jupiter's Legacy Book Club. You guys can go check that out. Um, right. It feels a little far away from where we left them. And so whatever context there doesn't help. And it was... It was okay. Like obviously, we need to see more, but I don't think it did the immediate, an immediate good job for one, a new reader who's like not aware of any of this, or even for us who have read the uh, the books themselves. I did not like this issue at all. Oh, um, you got it. I 
I think that this so okay if you have listened to our book club right like I remember I think you were on the same page as me with this Sean where we both liked it but we were both very critical of it because it had promised that it really didn't feel like it delivered on I feel like this issue is every single one of those criticisms dial up to 11 for me um I feel like this this book feels like it has learned all the wrong lessons from the two series that preceded it and that it's like all of the worst parts with none of the good parts for me. That's where I'm at with it. Um, there are so many fucking characters in this book. Mm. And any single thing that could be interesting, right? Okay, coming off of the last book, we have a set of characters that we care about, right? And instead of seeing what they've been through, how they've grown and changed, Mark Millar tells us. Oh, cool. So the couple that we just saw get together and save the world. Well, they're divorced. Uh, they've been divorced for years. She's had four husbands, and they have a bunch of kids, and they all have names, and now you have to care about who they are, and none of them get along either. Surprise, surprise. And it's, it's literally, it feels so fucking cyclical. And I'm sure that that's the point. Yeah. That you know, family conflict and, and inherited trauma and, you know, the weight of legacy and all these, these are what you do in family stories. I get it. But like, you're not actually doing any of it. You're just hinting at it. You're telling me that it matters. You're telling me that I should feel something, but I've read all of these books and I got to tell you, I fucking don't. And this, this issue, like more than any of the others, which Again, I had my problems with, but overall, I liked. This felt like it was a fucking waste of my time. So, as you recall, Pete, during our book club, I was one of the more um, I was more positive on it than I would say you were. Fair enough, right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I read this thinking, like, why? Why does this exist? I don't really feel like it needs to. No, it feels totally. I don't know, like, uh, and, and it's clear that, and I know we know this from the solicits, right, that they're driving towards explaining everything, explaining where they got their powers and everything like that. But who cares? That's not fucking interesting at all. Yeah, it, when it comes to, like, stories, like, when you get into the minutia of things like that, it's like the people that are like, how does Cyclops Wiser even work? Where's the energy blast coming from? It's like, who fucking cares, dude? There's that great Grant, the minutia of things. It's that great Grant Morrison quote about, they're the people who ask who changes the tires on the Batmobile, and the answer is that no one changes the tires on the Batmobile. It's a story. Yeah, exactly. Well, let, let kill something. That's yeah. wholly untrue because there is a guy that changes the tires on the Batmobile. His name is Harold, and he lives in the Batcave. <laughs> and that is canon. That's true. You're such a fucking um, dork. I love you. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. You, oh, wow. It's, it's not modern. I think he was killed off. Oh, Harold. Hush killed him off. Oh, Hush killed him off. Harold. <laughs> Legit, he was—he was like a mute hunchback dude. Yeah, I just looked, um, I just looked him up. His name is Harold Allnut. 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 I think I think the problem that I sort of have with your your criticism, Pete, with this issue specifically, and it's not that I wholly disagree with what you're saying. The fact that he told us all this stuff, mostly I agree, and I'm on the same page with you. The thing about the difference between this and Jupiter's legacy and what he uh, is doing here is that one in the book, there's something like a 
two or three decade difference, right? Mm -hmm. But also in real life, there's like a four or five, I mean, geez, at this point, maybe even 10 year difference, maybe a one decade difference. So like there's, there's an amount of separation both for the audience as well as Mark Millar. Sure. You know, yeah, that we all have to catch up, but also it's been a long fucking time all the way. Even the characters have to catch up with themselves. Fair enough. I definitely see what you're saying there. Go ahead. And and to your point, all these fucking siblings, like why? <laughs> like I, I you're a hundred percent right. Five of this, them? There's like four would, or five kids I gotta know about now. This would have been told so much better if it was told from the focus of the utopian, from the kid we follow at the end of Jupiter's legacy. Yeah, the character I know. Yeah. And have a like it, <laughs> have an idea or, of what or, he stands for. Like <laughs> Or anchor us to Chloe or Skyfox. Like give us something to hang on to, but he just doesn't. It jumps all over the place. Yeah. And, and, and Chloe and, like leaves planet. Yeah, like yeah. literally, like immediately. Like I don't know anything about every single thing I know about her and what's happened and is she the is she the leader of the superheroes now? I guess because other characters told me so. But like that's not that's not interesting. That's not a good way to convey that information. And I think Sean made this point in the book club as well that like you can feel the this being written so that it can be adapted where it's like, well, we'll explain all this shit in the TV show. It's like, well, we won't because it's canceled. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. But like the I mean, end of the issue when Mark Miller is like, ah, my show is the most watched show. The number the one show in the world. It's like, yeah, oh, shit, dude. I, I think Sorry. that's the only reason this exists. Right. And like, that's a bad reason for it to exist. And like, I don't want to come here and just like dunk on it. Like, that's not what I like to do in reviews. But like, I I really I, I don't know like I this just felt like a colossal fucking waste of of time. So I'm going to actually come to the book's defense on some level because yeah. I enjoyed way more of this than I thought I would from the way that it started because as soon as I saw that Chloe and uh, Sky Fox were broken up, I was like, come on, yep, yep, like why hey, first like, fucking panel. It, I I felt it could have been so interesting to see a unified hero community dealing with the modern world, which was the promise of the, the ending of the book before. And then especially when you tie it into the ending of this and like the aliens and stuff, like, okay, let's see them go head to head, the unified humans of Earth, uh, superheroes of Earth versus these aliens. And maybe you can, you can obviously you can add in drama there, but this felt easy. It feels like going back to what's easy. But um, I I found a lot to like. So despite the fact that there were too many characters for me and I couldn't attach myself to anyone, um, the the two, well, the one character who was new that I uh, that I enjoyed was, I, and I don't remember their name right now. I'm looking for it, but it was the basketball player. Um, oh, yeah, he's, um, what's his name, son? Utopians. Hot Rod Hendricks. Hot Rod Hendricks. He now he's the son of Utopians. Brandon? Yeah, Brandon's oh, kid. Brandon. He's yeah. Brandon's okay. kid. 
he's Brandon's kid. Now, that was something that confused me, and I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I didn't get that either. I I got it only because they said, oh, yeah, your dad's coming out of jail, and then the next page shows Brandon getting released. And then Brandon's but, like, I have a son I never met. Right, but my thing is that so many of the of the children are not white, and the their parents, the the one, at least one of the parents we know about, are white. So I was constantly confused by that. Um, and and obviously they're interracial relationships, but it, it it just threw me off. Like, okay, we're so far in the future. This kid's black. His dad's white. What is happening? I'm so lost. Um, <laughs> And if I sound ignorant, I'm sorry, but that's that's just how I felt reading this thing. Like, what's going on? But I mean, I think it's the thing that, like, if the script was less fucking unwieldy, it might have been easier to follow. But there's so much stuff that happens. Yeah, they throw yeah. so many things at you that it's like I feel like it's super. Like, I'm not surprised that you're just like, wait, what? Yeah, I was just super confused by that. I also liked Brandon coming out of jail and being completely zen. He's a fucking I Buddhist. Really liked yeah, that. that was funny. <laughs> that felt good, and it felt it, it felt I felt oddly rewarded for having read everything mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm following a long soap opera. Yeah, you know, like how in soap operas the character will go away and be dead in a car accident, then they come back and they're bald and they're happy yeah. when they were the main <laughs> villain. Like this feels like that, and I like that. That sure. was cool. Um, I also like that they're setting up this this other's uh, uh character. I, I don't remember their name either. He's the, the one who's trying to like attack China. Yeah, I like that too. I like oh, him and where that's going. I hated that. I okay. I was so frustrated by that character because like it just it feels so to me manufactured like it feels very much like okay so he's just like his uncle uh, but with a slightly different flavor and I'm also really really tired really really tired of the narrative in um in media of like anyone who's radical is one step away from being a terrorist it's like. So he's he's a nonviolent peacenik unless he wants to go attack China. It's like, come on. Like it's just so like there it's the it reminds me exactly of the trepidation I had about the flag smashers, right? It's the same kind of archetype. Um and it's a well-worn archetype and it's it just does not work for me. Did the flag smashers work for you? Not really. Like it to a mixed degree, you know? Uh I really like the reveal Although we're not fully aware of what it means, I like the reveal that the aliens, like, I assume what I saw was that they killed all of those people and took their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. That was so crazy. Not what I thought was going to happen at all. And I'm actually really excited to see where that goes. I, I don't know that I'm excited to see where it goes, but I, I will give you that it was definitely shocking and it it does give you that like, oh that's a that's a hell of a cliffhanger. I'll give you that, right? Like yeah. I'm I'm wondering, well, what's going on there, right? Like, did they repurpose their bodies? Did they replace them? Like, are they were they not actually the people we thought they were all this time? Like, are we gonna find out that all the supers are actually aliens? Like, I don't know. But there seems to be a an answer to the to that mystery. Yeah. If every issue is as long as this one, because I believe this is six issues. So if every issue is as long as this, which was this was very long, um, 
then I think that we're in for a very full story. I think he said he had 320 pages of story content, uh, some, somewhere in that neighborhood. It's, it's, it's going to be 350, 350 pages. So it's going to be a doozy of a story overall. This is just the first chapter. I think there's so much more to come. Um, but I also wouldn't expect that Mark Millar is going to do something different than what Mark Millar does. Yeah. So if you're not into this, I would say jump off. Yeah. That's my thought. I think that's where I'm at with it. I just, I don't, I don't need more of this. You know, (laughs) I really don't. Um, I've, I've given it, I've given it a fair shake multiple times now and it's got some promise, but I just, I think this is just not for me. Yeah. Uh, the art was the art was cool. I found myself to be lost in it at times, where I was just like, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. I felt like I couldn't There's... understand what was happening in any of the establishing shots when they were like yeah. showing you like future landscapes. I was like, this doesn't look like like it's hard to follow. I struggled a lot. What did you guys feel about the lettering? Because it was definitely different. It 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 was like uh, different colors, and then it would have like. Instead of the end tail, it was just like an open. It was weird. I, I couldn't stand. That. I really did not like it. Yeah. yeah, and and I think the the colored bubbles I thought was actually an interesting choice. Like I, I could see how that would be valuable, um, especially if you're having like conversations that continue like off panel or whatever. Um, it, it's like, oh, why haven't you seen this device before? And then I was like, oh, right, because it looks really bad in lighter colors. That's why you haven't seen this device before, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I actually really like the the lettering. I, I didn't mind the lettering, just the balloons. The what Marco pointed out about them not like, you know, ending, ending. Yeah, that that, that I wasn't cool with, but I like otherwise. that too. That's cool. Uh, Kale, let me ask you this. Um, uh, regarding that, what do you feel like? Why do you feel like they would make that decision? What do you think it it's doing? Uh, with the balloons specifically, I, yeah. I think it's kind of a different style just a different look to separate it from everything else. You don't feel like it has a narrative purpose? No. Okay, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I mean, not particularly because the the page I'm looking at, you know, I I went through the the memory pages and everything, and at the end, you know, with the the train scene or whatever, everybody has roughly the same balloon. Yeah. You know, various shades of different colors but they seem to just kind of go with whatever's on the panel yeah i i just think it's just a different technique something to make it pop a little bit fair enough uh let's talk about supergirl woman of tomorrow number one this is uh tom king's latest joint <sighs> this time around he gets uh to team up with bill quist Evely, who is one of the <laughs> best artist that dc has yeah fuck um, hell she is tom king is is you know always lucky to team up with the greatest um i feel and, like really i feel like our relationship with tom king is a soap opera <laughs> this time around tom king he's that tom king is at it again uh so it's bill quiz and then Matthias lopez on colors and guess who on letters clean cows what a hey, surprise the man so uh, I really didn't know what to expect with this. Obviously, Tom King has done a lot of these mini series, maxi series, whatever we're calling them now. 
uh, where he's done a deep dive into a character to try to figure out what makes them tick and why you should care about that. And uh, this is another one of those, although it focuses a lot more on not Supergirl. Uh, it focuses on who I assume is a new character. Um, I, I'm, I certainly wouldn't know because I'm not super familiar with Supergirl, but it seemed as though she was a new character. Um, and her desire for revenge. This is essentially a revenge story in a lot of ways. She is seeking a champion to help her kill the murderer of her father. And she uh, stumbles upon Supergirl at a place where Supergirl shouldn't be, a place where you would never expect to see her. It appears that she has uh, either gone back in time or no, nah, she, she went back in time. No, isn't um, she in another? She's just or, on another planet. Or yeah, she's on another she's planet? planet. Okay. Uh, so she's on another planet and uh, she's it's celebrating her, her 21st birthday. Yeah. I really felt mixed about this. Why is that? Well, I really liked the. There was one core part of this issue that I loved, and it's the conversation between supergirl and what's what's the uh what's the woman's name uh ruth i believe i think it's i think it's ruthie yeah ruthie. kind of the the okay. idea it's an alien version of ruthie yeah <laughs> um supergirl we we learned that supergirl has come here because they have a, a red sun where she can be harmed because she doesn't, she wants to get drunk and she wants to be vulnerable because she doesn't want to be stuck thinking about the planet that she lost, her home, Krypton, um, anymore. She doesn't want to be focused on that. And that desire to give up her invulnerability also puts her in danger for the first time in her life, probably, um, where she is hit by an arrow yeah. that whole sequence i thought was very good did you and not I, like the first half of the book then that yeah i didn't care about any of that uh i thought that the 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 part was supergirl beating up that guy like that's fine and him him you know saying uh he says uh this is only the beginning of your pain for i will not be turned buffoon by some woman it's like, all right, I get it. Like you're a man, doing she's a woman. You got your ass kicked. I get it. I'm not that. That's very well worn territory. Um, and watching Superman beat up just a guy is not that crazy, Supergirl. or Supergirl rather. I'm sorry. Watching Supergirl beat up just a regular guy is not that crazy. That's what she um, does, kind of. Yeah. So all that I didn't care about. It was that last part that I cared about. What about you guys? Did you feel hotter on this? I. <laughs> Stop me if you heard this before, but a Tom King book being elevated by its incredible art. Yep. Yeah. Haven't seen that before. The that's the main thing here is this book is gorgeous. You know, we start off in those first pages and you have like these kind of uh, warm reds and blues, like making up the sky of this planet, this alien planet. It's a really pretty book. Character designs are great. Just excellent work all around. But then like. The whole narrative is told from Ruth A's kind of um, like a future journal kind of perspective. Think of Saga, where like that's a book that's being told uh, in, in the future about the past, that kind of thing. Um, and it feels like here, unlike other Tom King books, 
he's like kind of attempting to do some kind of prose in the narrative structure. And I just don't think that's his chops. Uh, and once it was like Supergirl sad about Krypton being gone, I'm like, oh, Tom King, here he is. This is him doing his thing. <laughs> Characters were sad. Uh, I'm into the fantasy though. Uh, I, yeah. The cover really in itself uh, tells you what you're in for. It kind of looks like uh, old sci-fi B movie cover star wars in 1977 had a cover that was reminiscent of something like this space fantasy space fantasy yeah. yeah and i'm i'm into the concept i'm into the art uh story i kind of like the first half for the most part and honestly the second half i wasn't detracted too much by like the i'm um, sad angle of it uh i'm curious where it goes i, I so far i'm i'm intrigued I, I don't know how I feel if I liked it or not, but I, I'm into it. it. It piqued my interest, which happens a lot with Tom King books. Yeah, I uh, actually feel the same way, though. I think I am a little warmer on it than you are. I kind of liked it. Um, I think it's a, a, it's not necessarily a view of Supergirl that I think I care about seeing, but it makes sense. And it's a different turn on the character, it seems like. Um and and like we say the 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 space fantasy story as well as as much as the environment and the characters all kind of work for me um so i don't know I, i'll give it a second issue uh, i think similar to similar to phil i you know when i remembered oh crap we're doing another another tom king book i was like no, <laughs> no thanks uh, but he, I think he may have gotten me with this one. Wow. I think the thing for me is that space fantasy. It, fantasy is not generally like a, a genre that I uh, like go for, and it, it doesn't really attract me too much. So, well, that, you like that, Adam Strange, don't you? And Adam Strange is kind of that space fantasy. Yeah, but I feel it's like it's more friends. It's hmm. definitely more like sci fi ish. Yeah. Um, this, this felt more not. Uh, like swords and sorcery but mm -hmm. was a little mm -hmm. more along that that vein for me um and that doesn't always land at least for me um uh, but i think outside of that it was structurally i didn't have any issues uh, you're right phil i think he is trying to go more prose and there could have been sections where he doesn't really have to elaborate uh so much mm. Uh, there's definitely there's definitely like fat there that he can trim um that is much more that's every tom king book unfortunately <laughs> there's definitely dialogue there not in dialogue there's definitely like captions there that are just there to to be profound that i don't think work um and I, i'm I, i'm glad that even though uh supergirl is like sad about the planet i don't think that's going to be like the focus i think that's just like the introduction to why she's there Right. And from there, the story continues, and I like that. It it doesn't. Uh, he's not rolling around in it. He's just like, okay, this is our starting point. Like, let's let's get rolling from there. But rest in peace, crypto man. That shit hurt, dude. That sucked. Oh, that was yeah. That was really that. I oh. That's fucking it. love crypto. I really hope he's not dead. But no, he's not. Yeah, but who wants to see a dog get hurt? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This that was the second comic I read this week where I saw a dog get 
injured. Um, it was this and uh, oh, didn't that happen in Spawn? Yeah, it was a cat. Sp- yeah, it was a cat. Yes, but yeah, oh, okay. in Spawn. Who cares, yeah. Then? Oh, oh, no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, hey, calm down. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, this is this is whatever. I mean, I I don't know that it it, it, it hooked me. Um, Where are you on Tom King, Marco? Are you are you warm? Are you cool? Are you lukewarm? Are you I'm I'm warm. Um, I think he's overall he's been doing some good stuff recently. Yeah, you're super into Strange Adventures and Rorschach. Yeah. 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 So definitely warm on him. I don't think he's on fire, but I think he's he's got some heat. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our review special this week. Definitely let us know your thoughts on these books. Uh, thank you to Matt Murphy, who requested that we review Venom 200. If you guys want to request that we review a book, make sure that you write in at thecomicspiles.gmail.com. Leave us a comment on YouTube. Subscribe while you're there. Like the video. Share with your friends. Follow us on all podcast hosting platforms review us rate us all that jazz free to do helps us out a lot more than it costs you until next week take care guys